Majjana Trimanandasya, Snajjana Salakaya, Chakshon Melitanyena Tasmai, Sri Gurave Namaha, Vanchakalpatubhischa, Kripasindabhivacha, Patitanam Pamanebhyo Vaishnavijus Namo Namaha. Good evening. Nice Saturday night. So on Saturday evenings we're going to be discussing Leela with the purpose of increasing our affection and attachment to uh, to Krishna and his eternal associates. I deal primarily in my discussions with Sambandha Gyan and those practices which will help us strengthen our devotional practice. But that doesn't mean that we leave aside the higher topics. We have to have some attraction for that. And although it's, it seems like a, a, long, a long distance from where we possibly are to, to where we want to go, still, as we've just been hearing from Upadesha Amrita, uh, we have to keep up our enthusiasm, our confidence, our patience in, uh, in following a regulative way avoiding bad association and staying in good association. But we think that sadhana bhakti, going up through the stage of asakti, just that beginning of sadhana bhakti seems to be quite substantial to us. Shraddha, sadhu, acceptance of the spiritual master, engaging in bhajana kriya in a regulated way under his good direction, clearing the heart of all the anarthas uh, or realizing factually clearing the heart is something that is is a gracious dispensation uh, coming when when those people that have uh, some real spiritual potency see our sincerity our humility our sincerity our determination when they see that in us then they then their affection for our our unfortunate condition, the fact that we are in an unfortunate condition, increases, and uh, and then we then the anarthas truly fall away. Materially, we look at the, the practice and we we believe we are the doer because that's what we've convinced ourselves we are since time immemorial. If that wasn't for me, none of this would be going on. It's a fact. None of this that's impeding your understanding of who you really are would be going on if it wasn't for yourself. You got that much of it right. That's a, that's a start <laughs> of some sorts. But when you look, it, it seems like, uh, you know, to, to get through the stage of an Vritti, to become steady, to become steady enough for long enough, with enough determination and enough confidence and patience and it really we cannot overemphasize good association in whatever way we can take it according to our circumstance we have to take it in in extreme doses Uh, and if we're negligent in that regard then we're simply making it 
more tedious for ourselves, more, more time is involved. The key is staying in the association of those people that truly are firmly situated and that can, uh, and, in, and by seeing their example, by seeing their, uh, their relishing of the, of, the, of the pleasure of engaging in Krishna's service, our relishing of engaging in the service of Maya can diminish because we can see there's a higher taste there. We need that good example as much as we can get it. If all we can get it is from reading or all we can get it is from hearing lectures and uh, coming to a, a couple festivals a year because we're, we're engrossed in, 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 uh, in, in raising a family and, and pre- pre- performing our Krishna consciousness at home. Wherever we are, in whatever condition we are, in whatever circumstance we've been put, we need to constantly seek out good association and constantly hear uh, from those that are truly enthused uh, so that we remain enthused. So we, uh, in that way, we can push through Anartha Nivriti. We can, we can hopefully become steady ourselves as we see the steadiness in others who are firmly situated we can develop a taste for the process and as we develop a taste for the process for hearing, for chanting, for remembering for serving the deity and and residing in the holy place we develop a taste for it even when we're in a circumstance where we can't be there well we can go there daily in our our meditation we can uh, at least do that much uh that's good for us. And then we can actually go and associate during those special times. And that taste for the practice will develop into the taste for the object of the practice. And then at the stage of Asakti, then we start to see what our true spiritual position is. But you think about, well, we hear Sri Chaitanya crying out in his prayer just at the stage of Nista is when true humility is coming in. And that true humility is characteristic of what we just mentioned. The true humility is understanding I am truly I'm truly in a helpless condition unless help's offered to me. That's a real big step for us spiritually. Because we see so many transcendentalists well, most of them don't even come to this. It's only in the tradition of bhakti that we see that hum- that level of humility is is one of the stages of, of deep spiritual advancement. Because the jnani, the yogi, even the karmi, they're thinking it's by the by the by my actions that I am making advancement in my spiritual pursuit. The jnani is thinking, I'm learning and I'm detaching myself and as my knowledge increases I can become more and more detached from matter. The yogi is thinking, I can control my senses and become attached to, detached from matter or gain mastery over it. So he's kind of, he can swing both ways. 
He can swing towards the Gyani way where he wants to be liberated in Brahman, or he can swing towards the Karmi way where what? He wants to control everything and use his control of his senses to gain mastery of the world, become the super power ranger. <laughs> I could become smaller than the smallest, bigger than the biggest. I could go anywhere. I can acquire anything. I can control anybody's mind. I mean, these are pretty strong powers. So, as I said, he can go either way. He can go towards Brahman or he can go towards control. And then the karmi, the karmi thinks, if I do these sacrifices and I do them properly according to the rules and the regulations at the right time and right direction with the right surrounded by the Brahminical people who are the proper priests who are qualified to perform the sacrifice I can get my new son I can get my new car, I can get my new wife I can go to the heavenly planets Uh, it doesn't end, whatever I want the karma condescension of the Vedas will tell me how to do it, what to say when to say it, the way to say it how to intone the the things and as long as I get it right it's it's good, I'm going to get what I want course a little slip up there can be uh, things can come up a lot a lot wrong as we saw with uh, you know uh, Twasta trying to uh, get some revenge against Indra you know one of the highlights of the Bhagavatam is this narration where we where we're seen that the Karmakanda section it, it sounds real good but one little one little intonation is a little bad and then all of a sudden Vritrasura is coming and he's not coming the way he should have. He looks like the one that can kill Indra but he's not. We look, humility, how much important is this humility? And this is the stage of Nista. Asakti, Asakti is really when the material, all the material hankerings have left us. And there's only hankering for spiritual engagement. Nadanyam, Najanam, Sundarim. And then what to speak of Asakti? When I'm starting to realize the only thing I want is to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. Now we're getting past now that's Sadhana Bhakti. That's Sadhana Bhakti. Okay, that's like, well, wait. Rupa Goswami said devotional service and practice, devotional service and ecstasy. Devo- Is that just one third of it? <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> I'd heard something that Prabhupada had said, and I'd heard it many times. <laughs> and I was just trying to quantify it. He said, well, if you're, if you're, if you're 98% Krishna conscious, then you'll go back to Godhead. And then he saw some despondency in his disciples' continents. Well, if you're 90%, it's enough. That's enough. Well, if you're 80%, then still everybody's, you know, right, like I could be 80% Krishna conscious. And he's, and he's finally leaving the room after giving this talk. And he says, oh, if you're just 70%, well, I was thinking 70%. Well, if it's 33% devotional service and practice, 33% devotional service and ecstasy, and 33% devotional service and pure love of God, well, 
you have to be the prime. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> so as a, as a spiritual master, he can see so many things to pull us along. We're thinking 70%. Oh, wow, that means I can still be 30% in Maya. <laughs> No. <laughs> what if you have to be 70% Krishna conscious and have to be in up to the stage of beginning, uh, you know, Prem? What did Prabhupada mean? You think that? Maybe he meant that. Maybe he meant something in between. I don't know. <laughs> but I was just thinking, it's an interesting way to look at it. Put some... I'm going to quote His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada from his Krishna book to kind of get us give, give us an indication of how extremely important it is to enter into these pastimes through hearing no matter what our level of advancement is. This is good for us. It's good for all of us. All the cowherd men, including Nanda Maharaj, used to talk of the wonderful activities of Lord Krishna and Balaram. And they were always so much absorbed in those talks that they forgot the threefold miseries of this material existence. This is the effect of Krishna consciousness. What was enjoyed 5,000 years ago by Nanda Maharaj can still be enjoyed by Krishna conscious persons simply by talking about the transcendental pastimes of Krishna and his associates. This is what Nanda Maharaj and his associates did. They were there in the Leela observing it but one of their main one of the main things that they did is they continually talked about the Leela they were in. They continually talked about Krishna. What's he doing today? What did he do out there with the calves and the cowherds? Well, of course, they have some different affections, so beyond that they can't really see due to their, their pastime and their affection. Uh, as far as what Krishna did at night. But this is our process to hear these pastimes repeatedly. We'll never reach an end of, we'll never be satiated. They'll never become old. It's not like, oh, I've heard, I've heard that pastime. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. Because when we hear it, there's always something new. There's always something exciting. If nothing more than in the enthusiasm of myself to hear it or the speaker to speak it. That in it itself is new and exciting. That is Sangha. That is the loving relationship that we are hankering for. It is one of the six exchanges of love Rupa Goswami mentions in the Upadeshamrita to inquire confidentially. And to, and to speak in confidence. And these are confidential pastimes. 
So we're speaking about the most confidential thing. Think about it. Think about all the people of the world that are God-fearing people, or at least they, they, they wear that somehow or other. Do they know do, how many? How many have this tradition and this priogen of entering into these most intimate? exchanges of love between Krishna and his associates as their goal. And you think about that, if you could put it in perspective and continually remind ourselves of that, then the road, as far as it may, as, as, as long as I may have to go, it's not that far. We were watching a, a documentary about animals. This one animal, I forget what it was, a water... No, it was... Reindeer. It was a reindeer. This reindeer, just like one of these nature shows, this reindeer covers enough ground in his lifetime to circle the earth three times. It's a reindeer. All he wants is some grass and to get away from some pesky flies. And he's running enough into one lifetime to circle the planet three times. We want Krishna. How many times should we be willing to circle the planet and run after Krishna? What a, what a, what a glorious thing. So I thought we'd talk a little of some of Krishna's pastimes when he became a calf herder. He started out as a calf herder, as an apprentice, and worked his way up in the craft of the family. So the 11th uh, chapter of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam starts with... um, Sukadeva Goswami explaining to Maharaj Parikshit that the cowherd men of the village were were startled and they came running to find Krishna tied to a grinding mortar standing amongst two huge fallen trees. Now they heard the noise and they thought it was a thunderclap. What could have happened? Did, did lightning hit somewhere and they came running and there's, there's Krishna standing there innocently with his... How, what, what happened? What happened? How did these trees fall? What could have possibly happened? And the young boys are there. Well, Krishna did it. <laughs> yeah. Krishna did it? Yeah, he... He, 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 the mortar, Mother Yasoda tied him up and he, he was going through the backyard. He got stuck sideways and he, he just walked and the trees fell over. Yeah. They had a hard time believing that. Their affection for Krishna was such that a display of his opulence in that way was beyond their conception. They couldn't put their mind around it. 
the young cowherd boy says, well, not only that, not only did he pull him over, there were these two celestial beings that came out. Oh, now it's, that's okay. Sure. Now you have to understand the age here. Krishna is not yet three. So he's really, I mean, this is, Krishna is young. And the cowherds and his associates are also not very old. So you can understand the older people of the village would not, not put a lot of, 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 of credit, uh, credence to such a story. But some of them said, mm, well, I don't know. How did they fall over, though? What, is, what could be the cause? Uh, he, we heard he could be as strong as Narayan. He could have God's powers. No, it couldn't happen. Yeah, it could. No, well. No, they, they, didn't, they didn't know one way or another. Uh, and then the, but the wonderful people coming out, I, <laughs> yeah, okay, probably didn't do it. Uh, Sukadev goes on to explain what it was like during that period with the with the residents of Rai. So he he started here by talking about of the the affection felt by the the older Gopas the older men of the village for Krishna so much so that they couldn't really see past his childhood and his their affection for him in childhood to see any any of his ashwarya, any of his, his opulences, his power power enough to pull over a billion trees well power enough to make the pre- trees in the first place, what to speak of to make them with the roots that deep this particular tree has very huge roots. To knock it over would be uh, extremely difficult. So it goes to talk about the older ladies of the village and the way that their affection was such that they tried to test Krishna's strength. So, of course, you know, they just, such a sweet little boy, and they would, can you dance for us? If you dance, we'll give you some sweet meat. <laughs> so he would, oh, sure, I could dance. And he would dance and clap his hands. And they would give him half a sweet meat. Well, can you bring the wooden ship slippers here? Oh, yes, I can bring that. How about the little table? Oh, yes, I can bring the little table. And how about this? Well, yeah, I could, he touches it. I could do it, but I'll just stand here and touch it. <laughs> and then, you know, he would also, you know, beat on him. I'm strong enough. I'm strong. He'd show them he was very strong, make some gesture. And uh, he just won them over. He, they were completely... Uh, they were completely enthralled, but the point Sukadev's making here is these are in Krishna's this is Vrajbhumi. Krishna is manifesting his pastimes in the earthly atmosphere so everybody can see. And specifically, you know, Brahma and Shiva. And here he is, and he's controlling everything, and they have knowledge of this. And here's the older women of Vraj are controlling him with their affection. He's trying to teach 
teach all the universe. This is what controls me. This loving affection. So much so that I'm willing to bring the slippers and the wooden plank. I'm willing to dance for a sweetmeat. At one time, a fruit vendor was coming around the village. Uh, these were the, the forest people, and they would collect fruit and bring it to town and sell it. Great business if you can get it. So you simply go to the forest, you collect something, and you, you take it, and people pay you some money, and you can survive in that way. So the fruit vendor would come, and, and Krishna... Anybody, any of the Rajabhasis, you want some fruit, you come. So Krishna had seen the older people bartering, and he wanted, yes, I'll barter like the older people. We got a handful of, of, uh, of rice and tried to make it there, with a little small hand, rushing feverishly to be first in line. <laughs> and uh, most of the rice fell, and he, but here he gave, and her affection immediately immediately poured out look at this beautiful child immediately as much fruit as he could handle she handed him and immediately her basket filled no longer with fruit but with gemstones and pearls and gold and silver just full just overfilled with wealth for a little fruit given to Krishna but there's another thing Vishwanath brings out. But what Krishna really gave was Krishna praying. So you could imagine what she felt. Krishna gave her complete and total love for him in that exchange. Krishna's going out in the early day. He'd go out with his cowherd his young friends, not yet even calf herds, they would go out to play in the woods nearby. And uh, it would be time to call them in for lunch. Well, these are young kids, they don't want to forget lunch. We don't need lunch. We just had breakfast and we're in the middle of playing. And so Rahini would, Mother Yasoda said, well, go call Krishna and Balaram, have them come. It's time to eat. And uh, Orhini would try, call Ram and Krishna, come, please, it's time to eat. She saw she was having no effect whatsoever. And she thought, well, I, Mother Yasoda has so much more affection for Krishna than I do. I'm sure if she calls, he'll come. She goes, Mother Yasoda, you need to call them. They're not listening to me. Mother Yasoda is. So she went and she called. She didn't get too close. She knew if she got too close, they'd probably run away. <laughs> so she called from afar at first. And, Please, you come. It's time to eat. And there, yeah. Somebody say something. Did anybody <laughs> hear anything? They continued to play. So she, she had to negotiate. It's really late. You have to be really hungry by now. The milk is pouring from my breast. Please come, you must eat to take my breast milk. You're covered with dirt. So please come. 
still playing. It's not having any effect. Balaram, your father has sat down to eat his lunch, and he will not eat until you boys are at the table. So come. You can't, you don't want Nanda Maharaj to, to starve. He's not going to eat unless you come. No. Your boyfriends, your boyfriends are going home and they're being bathed and cleaned of all the sand and all the mud and they're putting on fresh garments and fresh so try to get Krishna to oh well my boy well, I have to outdo them because they're getting ornaments on and getting you know they're getting they're getting decorated in so many ways by their parents the mother so does there yes you should come and be decorated also oh and by the way this is the junction day of your birth star in the moon and you have to give away charity to the Brahmins. So many arguments were there. Finally, she was able to grab their hands and take them back and, and prepare them, bathe them, and, uh, and feed them nicely. After the incident, the fall of the in our June trees there was some discontent content amongst the older gopas and they had a town meeting got together and uh, Upananda who is uh, Nanda Maharaj's uh, older brother well respected uh, and always has good ideas because he's older and he's better, you know. He, he always considers things according to time, place, and circumstance. And he spoke to the other gopas, the older gopas of the day, says, you know, maybe it's time we move on. Look at what's happened. Baby Krishna and Rama are co- constantly in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where there's, there's the possibility of some harm. This witch came in and tried to poison Krishna. Then there was, the, you know, why before he could even walk, he's under a cart. The cart fell down and practically crushed him. Uh, another demon came and took him up in the air. And uh, he even survived that. Lord Vishnu's protected him in all these situations. And just the other day, these trees fall down. Uh, I think for the protection of these young boys and and all of us, it would be better if we moved from here. So uh, there is a forest nearby. So we're currently living in uh, Mahavan, uh, Brihadvan, big lawn, big forest. Uh, but there's this little forest here. They moved there. After Krishna was born from uh, Nandagra, so he said, "Between between where we are now and, and where we were, uh, there is this Vrindavan forest. Very nice. In fact, the whole year round, it's the same temperature, it's the same same atmosphere all year round. It's it's beautiful mountains, 
uh, beautiful uh, uh, orchards and gardens and, and lush, uh, lush uh, grass for the cows. Uh, we should go there. I think we can. I think the boys will be safe there, and uh, and I think a change is in order. And the older boys, they older men of the village, they all agreed. And why delay? Let's go today. <laughs> all right, let's go today. <laughs> so uh, that was interesting. They immediately uh, packed up uh, all their utensils and household goods and bullock carts, and they put the uh, the older men. And the ladies and the children and uh, the Brahmins, uh, along with uh, all the paraphernalia and the carts, they put all the cows in front. They picked up their bows and arrows and their bugles, the older men of the village, and they proceeded to leave uh, Mahavan for Vrindavan. And they arrived there before they could even make any residences. They put all the bullock carts in a, in a half moon and, uh, and parked in such a way <laughs> with their carts so that they were protective with uh, uh, thorn bushes were in one area and the carts were in one area. They took unparked, unparked, unpacked the carts and put all everything behind them and the cows could easily come and go. Um, and they thought this is the greatest thing and Krishna and Balaram were really pleased because this the atmosphere of Vrindavan was just so pleasing to them uh, lush grasses and, and everything uh, when there were so Right after arriving in Vrindavan, then Krishna's maturing past his uh, Kumara age. Now, most, you, generally, this happens after five years. Well, Krishna's not everyone. It's a little special, so he matured, showed these this maturity a little bit sooner. In Vishwanath Chakravarti's that course commentary on this chapter, he says, "Yes, Krishna was three. <laughs> so, uh, at such an early age, Krishna was given charge of the of the uh, calves, and uh, being given charge of the calves, uh, the other young boys who were his uh, contemporaries, they also." were given charge of the calves and uh, and they began their apprenticeship by showing how good they could take care of the calves. No longer did they get started taking care of the calves and along comes a, another threat, another demon. Now understand, the demons that Krishna's dealt with up to this point it's all been, it hasn't been real overt, the, the, the struggle. I mean, okay, so he, he sucked on the mother's tit, and it died, she died, and yeah, she, he kicked up his little leg and the cart fell over, nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes, and yeah, the guy flew up in the air, but 
no one can really figure out that Krishna became heavier than the whole universe and forced him down onto the cement slab so that he'd die. And you know, you look at uh, you know even the the uh, falling of the of the uh, trees. No one could even believe it. But now Krishna's Krishna's getting older. So the th- the threat this time is a, a demon sneaked into the midst of all the calves in the form of a calf with the intent of killing Krishna. Krishna immediately detected him, gave some signal to Balaram, hmm, check that one out. That isn't one of our calves. So he he snuck up to the calf and he uh, he grabbed it by the the legs, hind legs and tail, and uh, whipped it around and uh, threw it into a uh, a local tree. Uh, immediately, when it was killed, it, as happens again and again in Krishna's pastimes, the uh, the demon assumed his uh, original form, very large form. So that was Vatsasura. Um, now when Krishna killed Vatsasura you have to understand all the demigods are watching this from their celestial airplanes which are generally not visible from earth I mean even the the demon Rakshasas we hear of all these flying saucers but who's ever really saw one (laughs) so what to speak of the celestial demigods um so they immediately see this and they that he's killed this demon and it's like well this one this one we can get I mean he we see no one can can mistake Krishna took the demon whirled it around and threw it in a tree and they throw down flowers and they start to blow their bugles and their kettle drums and all their it's a celestial concert in praise of Krishna and the the other cow or cow calf boys are go are just they're in wonder what is all this <laughs> wow <laughs> so, you can imagine when they get back to the village they got a story to tell <laughs> now when we look to these pastimes the pastimes that we're discussing here from the 10th canto are during Krishna's Prakat Leela. Prakat means he's manifest on this plane his Leela, his pastime. Um, the Aprakat Leela is a little different. It's constantly going on and its highlight is a consistent older age of Krishna when he's engaged in loving affairs and an eightfold daily program of making love <laughs> with the residents of Raj. So, Bhaktivinoda says something interesting in his Sixasticum, uh, I mean, sorry, Sixamrita. Um, and he explains to us what is the distinction between the Prakat and the Aprakat. He says, these occasional pastimes, speaking of Prakat, manifest, 
like uh, what's it? Sometimes it's referred to uh, as a traveling road show. Krishna is going from one universe to another with his eternal associates and displaying these pastimes to attract the fallen conditioned souls. Um, these occasional pastimes, which are unfavorable for the practice of meditating on the daily pastimes, are given a symbolic significance. By remembering those pastimes, the devotees aspire to destroy the devotee aspires to destroy his own sinful conduct. Until, in other words, if we hear what the Thakur is saying here, is until we're fully qualified to enter into that meditation, which is of the aprakat of Krishna's most intimate loving affairs in an eightfold daily system uh, uh, with Radharani and her uh, the older gopis until we have that qualification if we are still hampered by the fact that we're advancing in the stage of sadhana bhakti then these pastimes are good for our meditation. The Prakat pastimes, wherein we see a symbolic significance of Krishna killing the demons. And Bhaktivinoda even goes so far as to, in looking at the demons, he points out what they represent as far as our tendency to try to enjoy independent of Krishna. Uh, so we know Mother Patana he, she's seen as representative of, of what? Of, of somebody who comes and gives falsity presents, presents herself as something she's not and Bhaktivinoda says yes there are some gurus who present themselves as something they aren't uh, simply to cheat us just as Patana wanted to cheat the child Krishna or the cart demon. So many misconceptions, immediately Krishna kicks them out. At the very beginning of our devotional practice, he kicks them out, like he kicked over the cart. And the whirlwind of our mind, Trinavarta, he immediately weighs us with true spiritual substance in such a way that we're not the mind, the swirling thoughts in the mind are blown out. So, uh, Bhaktivinoda points out that when we look at uh, Vatsasura, uh, did I take that? Being controlled by greed and the sinful activities caused by it are represented, represented by Vatsasura. By Krishna's mercy, this fault is vanquished. So greed and sinful activities are representative of Vatsasura. And uh, this is the way Bhaktivinoda Thakur sees this particular representation. He says we can look at these as a having not only 
not only are they true pastimes that happened when Krishna manifest in in Rajabomi in in, in uh, his earthly manifestation. I mean, they, they really happened, but we can also see some 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 symbolic significance there that will help us to 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 let Krishna do the cleansing of our heart, which gets back to what we opened with, the humility to see that this is an endeavor for mercy, not an endeavor that's based on my my effort. My effort is to get mercy. The real work, Sheto Darpan of Arjunam, is done by the Lord himself, by Krishna, by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When they cleared the, cleans the temple for Sri Sri Jagadath. I mean, who collected more dirt than anyone else? As they got a little older, uh, each calf herder had a little group of calves, so now they're now they got a few to take care of, and. Uh, uh, they were taking care of those. They went to a reservoir of water one day, and they, uh, in the early morning, they let the cow, calves take some water, and they also drank from the reservoir. And they noticed this huge, demoniac figure looked like looked like a mountaintop that had been cut off by a, a, a strong thunderbolt, and it was in the shape of a, a huge duck. And the duck also came to kill Krishna. And he immediately plucked Krishna up and swallowed him whole. When Krishna hit the back of his throat, uh, it wasn't such a good experience for the duck demon. <laughs> Bakasura was his name. And Krishna was as hot as a red coal, you could imagine. And he was immediately thrown out. <laughs> And uh, uh, seeing that uh, Krishna, the demon immediately tried to, to use his beaks to kill Krishna, uh, since he knew he couldn't eat him alive. Uh, and in doing that, Krishna grabbed those beaks and he pulled him apart just as a young child would pull apart a, a leaf of grass. Uh, Bakasura. Bhaktivinoda says uh, false dealings due to deceit and cheating are represented by Bhakasura. Without allowing, eliminating this, pure bhakti does not appear. Um, again, the denizens of heaven, they're throwing flowers, putting on a concert. Again, the, the, the young cow Calf herds are mesmerized by the whole scene, a wonderful, wondrous scene. And if they go back to the village and every tell of the daily exploits and immediately it's written down and songs are sung and they remember Krishna, which is uh, which is really why we want to continually hear these pastimes, to remember Krishna and to remember 
what is what is truly the goal of our practice is to enter into these pastimes ourselves to become pure enough through our practice and pleasing enough to the sadhus that we're invited into this to this realm first within our own heart as the holy name enters our ear and, and comes to our heart these pastimes will become manifest uh, to us and uh, from there as we advance more then we are actually allowed to enter into these pastimes on the earthly plane to truly develop the deepest love uh, for Krishna where we just as the gopas cannot stand it when Krishna even disappears behind a tree. We practically faint. That's how much affection is developed uh, by the devotee when he, when he is allowed uh, entrance into these pastimes on the earthly plane. In this way, all the cowherd men headed by Nanda Maharaj enjoyed topics about the pastimes of Krishna and Balaram with great transcendental pleasure, and they could not even perceive material tribulations. Vishwanath writes in his commentary, In this way, whatever appears as mundane material tribulations simply nourishes the pastimes and are there and therefore is called Lila Maya. Vishwanath's kind of giving us a warning here. Don't think that any of Krishna's eternal associates, even in his earthly pastimes, are in any way materially affected. They're nichasiddhas, they're coming to enhance the Lila, and when they say that when when they say they're hungry or thirsty or they appear to in any way be engaged in material activities, it's just it's just something to increase their frame, their loving affection. So I'll stop there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.